Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give, and there's no regular commitment. Just click the link in the show description to support now. If you're looking for plump lips that last, you need to know about Juvederm Lip Fillers. With Juvederm Volbella XC and Juvederm Ultra XC, your lip look, whether it's subtle or bold, can last up to one full year with optimal treatment and no additional maintenance. Find a licensed specialist and see if it's right for you at Juvederm.com today. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Add fullness to lips in adults over 21 with Juvederm Volbella XC or Juvederm Ultra XC. Do not use if you have severe allergies or a history of severe allergic reactions, or if you're allergic to lidocaine or the proteins used in Juvederm. Tell your doctor if you have a history of scarring or taking medicines that decrease the body's immune response or that can prolong bleeding. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. As with all fillers, there's a rare risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. For full, important safety information, visit Juvederm.com. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit BetterHelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. Welcome to Tales to Terrify, part of the District of Wonders network. Featuring Starship Sofa and Far-Fetched Fables, everyone has a story in the District of Wonders. Come and find yours. This Mother's Day, celebrate the extraordinary women in your life with a heartfelt gift from Blue Nile. Whether it's for your mom, a mother figure, or yourself as a mom, find that perfect piece to express your love and appreciation. Explore Blue Nile's exquisite pearls and mesmerizing gemstones that she's sure to love. Enjoy fast shipping options like guaranteed free shipping and returns. Make this Mother's Day unforgettable with a piece from Blue Nile. Right now, get up to 50% off at BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. How would you like to look five years younger? In a clinical study, people that had volume added with Juvederm Voluma XC in the cheeks perceived themselves as looking five years younger at six months after treatment. Look younger, feel like you. Add volume for lift and contour in the cheeks with Juvederm Voluma XC. Reverse signs of aging by adding volume to smooth laugh lines with Juvederm Volure XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. 
There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Good evening, children of the night. A couple of weeks ago, I recounted my trip to Florida, which came with a respiratory infection. First of all, thank you all for the well wishes particularly Miss Linda Kempler of Nashville. Although I appreciated all of the wishes for me to get well, health has just given me a sort of double tap. Just hours before I started to record this, I got the diagnosis I had tested positive for strep throat. Fortunately, my voice is holding up, but I'll be taking it easy as soon as I wrap this up. Just before we got into our story for the evening, I thought I'd briefly mention a movie I saw recently. Many of you are likely familiar with the Insidious franchise. I, amazingly, had managed to not see a single one of them. During a birthday-slash-housewarming party, following a foray onto the Appalachian Trail sated by glasses of blood-red wine, someone offered to put Insidious on. Just in case you didn't hear my air quotes, the movie that was actually played was Insidious, The Last Key, or the fourth Insidious movie. I typically will decline to watch a movie or read a book that is a sequel having never seen or read the original. You may remember a year or so back I had read Sarah Lotz's Day 4, which is a sequel having no idea of that fact. There are several sections in the book that allude to the original, which left me just a little bit lost and gave me the clue that I had inadvertently picked up a sequel. Insidious, The Last Key, can be watched without having seen the originals. Its filmmakers ran a bit short on production value, but they made up for it with the humility of the writers, who didn't presume that you saw any of the other movies, uh, for the most part. I'm going to give this one a soft recommend, because it's of that middle category of movies, where the viewer can see that some members of its production had a vision and a dream but falls short of a polished movie that might just become a classic. I do want to give it credit for a plot choice that I very much appreciated. Unfortunately, I cannot speak directly about it without spoiling some of the plot, but it starts a ghost story, but at some points in the film, the characters discover they're not completely in a ghost story, but in fact, something quite a bit worse. If you've seen the other Insidious movies, let me know at TalesToTerrify at gmail.com if I should go back and spend my time on those. Let's hear a story coming from one of the few human beings living above the 64th parallel north. A fluent liar since birth, J.N. Marcotte, is now an author lady in Fairbanks, Alaska, with publications in several online magazines. When not writing, she's typically baking, ingesting the internet, or chasing her one, two, three sons, and a growing flock of chickens. She also volunteers in local schools, libraries, and writing groups, bringing the joy of reading and writing to the next generation, and sometimes the previous one, too. 
a member of the Alaska Writers Guild, the Society for Children's Book Writers and Illustrators, and a local NaNoWriMo chapter. She writes fantasy, supernatural, horror, sci-fi, and whatever else pops into her head. You can follow her on Twitter at MarcotteJN, link will be in the show notes, and poke around her website where she shares writing samples, industry insights, and silly comics about the perils of the creative life. Lend me your ears for J.N. Marcotte's Sunny Acres, a Tales to Terrify original. Any service yet? Becca glanced down at her phone and then dropped it back against her belly with a scoff. She glared out the window again, staring at the shadowy blur of aspen and scrub. And exactly why can't we stop and ask somebody? Liam's grip on the steering wheel tightened. Maybe because we haven't seen another human soul for the last four hours? Well, we would have if you'd pulled over at the... They were closed. There were cars in back. Someone was... Look, I'll stop at the next place, all right? No matter how obviously abandoned, I'll just wander around derelict buildings until someone calls the cops or we starve. Would that make you happy? Her arms clenched tighter across her chest. It would, thanks. Great. They drove on in stony silence, following an endless dirt road as it curved lazily between the dark wooded hills. There was no doubt that they'd missed their turn-off, but driving back and forth three times had lost them so thoroughly that they couldn't even find the highway anymore. With the sun inching toward the horizon, they were running out of daylight to find the campsite, or, even more appealing, a hotel with separate rooms. Liam hated the way his wife got when she was tired. Becca sat up suddenly, squinting against the sun, and pointed. Hey, someone's out here. Liam squinted as well, fussing with his glasses. Who? There's a sign. She stared a moment longer and read, Sunny Acres, five miles. She smiled. Fresh peaches. Her smile widened as she looked over at her husband. Want to buy some peaches? I want to find the campsite, he grumbled. She slumped, turning toward the window, and he softened as he drove past the weather-beaten sign, hand-painted and fading. But food would be nice, too. He threw her a rueful smile and some directions. She met his eyes with brightness in hers, and the next five miles passed all too quickly in a blur of woodland and happy chatter, favorite fruits, the terrors of GMO produce, stories of summers spent at beloved grandparents' homes, scraped knees hooked on boughs heavy with plum and apple. For just a few moments it was like they were dating again, back before they'd learned all the best ways to drive one another crazy. Liam lived for these moments. A broad sign hung over a side road between tall metal posts, the gate hanging open, and Liam turned down the driveway with a smile. Okay, directions, no harm in asking, especially if the inquiry came with a purchase. 
and if the campsite was nearby, they could still get there and just put the tent up by headlight. They'd had worse campouts. Not many, but a few. Sunny acres spread before them like a postcard, green orchards clinging to the hillsides, one side rosy with sunlight, the other deep in shadow, a broad stream splitting them through at the base. A cluster of buildings huddled around the stream, a large white house, the paint peeling, a weathered barn and several outbuildings. And not a soul in sight. Liam frowned. Do you see a fruit stand? She scanned from the barn to the house, the yard thick with overgrown grass and wildflowers. Maybe they already closed for the night. He grunted. It was pretty late. He followed the driveway past the barn and the outbuildings and pulled up at the side of the porch steps. Do you have any cash? Becca scrounged into her wallet and fished out a five-dollar bill. How much are peaches? I don't know, a dollar a pound, buck fifty? He climbed out and leaned through the door, taking the cash. Get two pounds, she suggested, overwhelmed with nostalgia, but let them keep the change. He nodded, diplomatically not rolling his eyes, and turned to start up the creaking steps. Before this was all over, he was going to have to endure another hour of hearing about baby Becky sitting in Grandma's backyard, plum juice streaking the dirt on her chin, and that would be perfectly fine so long as they were at their campsite instead of wandering lost through the countryside. The front door was already hanging open, and he glanced over the front hall, half-choked with a lifetime's accumulation of clutter. Sheesh, get a blowtorch, he thought. He leaned in, knocking. Hello? Anybody home? Hello? A feeble voice called back, uncertain. Hi, we saw your sign for peaches. Floorboards groaned softly as feet shuffled in a back room. A frail-looking man limped around a corner, his head bobbing in greeting. Afternoon, young man. Hi, Liam said again, raising his voice. We saw your sign for peaches. The man squinted, still hobbling closer. Peaches? A ain't the season for peaches, son. Not till, uh... He frowned, trailing off. Liam was instantly irritated. Why keep the sign up if there weren't peaches? He stuffed the five in his pocket. It's all right. Hey, do you know how to get back to I-10? You what? I-10, the highway? His eyes lit with understanding. Oh, right, right, the highway, a uh, big new road, they just... Yes, Liam said, a grimace of a smile locked on his face. We're a little lost. We? My wife and I? Oh? The old man leaned around Liam, squinting at the green Subaru parked in his yard. Oh, now a young man... You can't just leave the missus sitting alone in a car. Won't have a missus for long, you see. 
Liam's mouth pressed down into a narrow line of frustration. I was married for... He squinted uncertainly at the floor. Well, now, let's see. Look, we really like to get back to the highway before dark. The man wheezed out a sandpaper laugh. <laughs> no hope of that, I'm afraid. You're in for a long drive. How long? I don't rightly know. Not much I want for driving these days. Hey, you're not local, are you, son? The car door slammed behind him, sparing him from having to answer, and he glanced over his shoulder. Becca, starting toward them, stuffing her arms in his old college hoodie. The old man smiled brightly at her and called, Hello there, missus. She tugged the sweater over her head. Hello. Folding her arms tightly over her chest against the growing cold, she came smiling up the steps. No peaches? I'm afraid not, sweetheart. Not the right season. Becca made a small sound of disappointment. I was afraid of that. My grandma's neighbors were never ready before July. He nodded with a glint of delighted surprise in his eyes. Right you are, young lady. Liam shot her a quick glare. If she had already known the peaches weren't ripe, why had she insisted? But since you're a connoisseur, I'll tell you what, the old man said. My granddaughter comes up every year and packs me whole bushels of spiced peaches. His eyes crinkled near to disappearance. Still got a few bottles from last season. Don't suppose you'd be interested in those. Becca glanced back up at her husband, smiling. Good grief, he was never going to get out of there. He pinched out a sour smile and dug the money back out of his pocket. Sounds great. Just give me the directions, you old coot. Becca happily handed the crumpled five across. However much this'll get us. Well, come on in, missus. He stepped back, waving them inside. Pantry's just down this way. Without waiting, he turned and shuffled down the hall past the stairs. Name's Lewis, Jasper Lewis. And you are? Becca tossed Liam a quick smile, too lost in her happy childhood to see how frustrated he was getting, and followed, introducing them both. Heaving out a deep breath, he stepped in after her. If he had to drive the entire night because she was busy reliving the golden days with Grandma? Ignoring the chit-chat ahead, he followed the happy parade down the narrow hall beside a rickety staircase. The steps were covered in dust. Liam didn't imagine the old man could handle the stairs very well these days. The hall was lined in framed photographs caked in dust. Blurry babies in long white dresses, formally dressed men and women glaring down the lens, a smiling couple in front of an old truck, a slender woman squinting up from planting a sapling. There had to be scores of photos, chronicling decades upon decades of births, marriages, and reunions, and all the small moments in between. 
Liam wondered what his hallways would look like when he was that old. What would he have to show for all that time? The old man pushed a swinging door open and revealed an immaculate kitchen lit by a single naked light bulb hanging from the ceiling. He held back the door and Becca led Liam through. The dishes were cleaned and stacked. A kettle whistled merrily on the stove. A tattered series of paperback westerns were lined up by the telephone that looked at least thirty years newer than anything else in the room, and a narrow bed was tucked against the wall on the far side of the table. Liam stared for a moment. The man probably lived in that one room every moment, both waking and sleeping. Geez, no wonder he was so desperate for visitors. Mr. Lewis hobbled past the stove, clicking off the knob above the kettle, and opened a closet door, tall and narrow. Now, don't tell Annie I'm giving these things away. Mercy how that girl fusses over what I eat. Becca laughed and promised, <laughs> we won't. Then she sucked in her breath as he flicked on a light. Liam craned his neck. What? She stepped back from the narrow door, letting him see, and asked the old man, How much did she make you? Rather than the narrow pantry Liam had been expecting, the door opened to a broad, shadowy basement. The walls were lined with moldering wooden racks, each sagging under an incongruent assortment of filled jars, their dusty curves laced with cobwebs, their necks capped in grimy bands of rust-pocked metal. A half-dozen mismatched bookcases crookedly lined up in the middle of the room, filled with more jars. Jars perched on top. Jars huddled along the corners at the floor. Liam had never seen so many jars in his life. Beryl likes to can, the old man explained, easing himself gingerly down the dust-caked steps. And ever since they put in that big new highway, folks don't drive through here much anymore. Whatever peaches don't sell gotta be bottled, so they'll keep. He paused by the first rack at the foot of the stairs. Of course, Annie can't lay claim to em all. It's somewhere her mama's doing. And a few still down here were my sweet Ellie Mae. He reached up and reverently brushed his fingertips along the smooth glass wall of a jar. Liam and Becca stayed frozen on the dim stairs. A creeping discomfort crawled up Liam's spine. Something about this was wrong. A violation. He considered taking Becca's arm, pulling her back up into the kitchen and out to the car. They didn't need to be going into some old recluse's shrine. They didn't need to be there at all. This was a mistake. But then the old man crossed to the opposite wall with a relatively brisk stride. But you'll be wanting a fresher batch than that, I'll warrant. He pulled two quart-sized bottles down, their rings still bright and clean. You think two's fair? Becca stammered something, then said in a faint voice, for five bucks? That's way too much. Her fingers curled tightly around the doorframe, knuckles clenched white. He laughed, shuffling closer, the peaches cradled against his bony ribs. Nonsense. 
I got more than I could ever eat. Besides, you'll save me a spot of trouble. When Annie sees how much is left, oh, I, guess I couldn't. Liam took a step back toward the light of the kitchen. The stair creaked loudly, and he and Becca both flinched. The man laughed at her refusal, oblivious to their discomfort. Please, I insist. We should get going, Becca, Liam said, pitching his voice for the old man. We've got a long drive. She nodded, still staring at all those peaches. Uh, yeah, okay. Mr. Lewis stared up at Liam, his eyes bright with worry, his feet frozen in place. You gotta go already? Liam nodded, hooking his thumb over his shoulder. Yeah, like you said, it's a long drive back to I-10. You what? I-10. He cast Becca a brittle smile. Ready, honey? Sure. She hesitated a moment and then came down the last step and awkwardly took both bottles of peaches. Thank you, Mr. Lewis. It was nice meeting you. Are you sure you can't stay? It's late. Goodness knows when we'll find that campsite. She cast a rueful smile back up to Liam. We might just have to sleep on the side of the road at the rate we're going. Come on, let's get out of here, Liam silently begged her. A shaky smile split the man's face, and he started up the steps toward them. As if breaking a spell, his approach ushered them up the stairs and into the cheery kitchen, and all was suddenly well. Shoot, you don't have to go find some fancy campsite. It's near bedtime already. He threw his narrow shoulder feebly against the door to shut it. Can't say the guest room's in any state fit for company, but if you're all set for camping, there ain't no reason you can't throw a tent up in the yard or something. He wouldn't be the first by any stretch. His eyes flicked back and forth between the two of them, hopeful. I could rustle up some griddle cakes in the morning. With them spice beaches on top, it's like a little slice of heaven right in your belly. Liam could picture a nine-year-old Becca sitting at her grandma's kitchen table eating peachy pancakes and knew the fight was lost before he even looked at her. She smiled openly at the old man, her discomfort in the basement forgotten, and Liam had to admit that peach-smothered pancakes held a lot more appeal than syrupy granola bars and lukewarm instant coffee. But then his eyes flicked toward the basement door, and a shiver of misgiving rippled through his chest. Becca glanced at him, mistaking his hesitation for assent, and turned her smile back toward the old man. If you're sure it won't be any trouble. No trouble at all, he laughed, his laugh quickly warping into a phlegmy cough. Liam shot his wife a look of furious panic, and the smile dropped off her face. The old man cleared his throat and shuffled back toward the front door. I'll show you around the place, get you all set up. He pointed to the closet under the stairs. This here's the washroom. Liam squinted into the shadowy interior and was pretty certain he saw cobwebs and a jumble of brooms. 
The man continued, pointing around a corner into a dark room. This here's the parlor, but don't even try to get in there. My Ellie Mae couldn't toss so much as a bottle cap to save her life, and she won't let me in either. God rest her soul. He turned, pointing up the steps. If you both need the throne at the same time, there's another one at the top of the stairs, and you already seen the kitchen. He hesitated in the entryway, frowning. Now, uh, what was I saying? Where to put the tent, Becca prompted. At the same moment, Liam started. You were giving us. He trailed off as the man said, right, right, the tent, and shuffled out onto the porch. Liam leaned close to Becca and whispered, directions to the highway away from here. She shot him a glare and hissed, Can't you be nice to anybody? This place is a creepy haunted peach silo, and you want to sleep here? Mostly I just want to sleep at all, anywhere. He bit back a retort as they hurried after the old man. And there's the oldest peach trees in the valley. Ellie May's old daddy planted them when he was a boy. You're more than welcome to shelter in there. If it gets to raining, you're welcome up on the porch. And, uh, his brow furrowed uncertainly as he trailed off again. Perfect, Liam interrupted before he could ramble into more homegrown wisdom. Thank you. Anything I can lend a hand with? Liam started toward their car, pulling Becca in his wake. We've got it, thanks. Liam wanted to get set up as quickly as possible without any bumbling geriatric help. The sooner they went to sleep, the sooner they could leave in the morning. Oh, well, all right then. He stood there watching them opening their car. Becca smiled uncertainly. Thanks again for your hospitality. It's really sweet of you. He preened at the attention. Ain't no trouble at all, missus. Tightness spread through Liam's shoulders as the man continued to stand there, staring. How long would he stand there staring after them as if they just loaded it into the car and left? Liam scooped out the tent and sleeping bags, handing the mats to Becca. Well, good night. Then he turned and strode around the back of the house, fairly running out of sight. Oh, I just remembered, the old man called after them. Liam walked faster, hissing to Becca. Just keep going. Stay out of the barn, it's not. They swept around the corner of the house and couldn't hear anything more. Liam let out his breath in a rush. Jeez, why isn't this guy in a nursing home? Becca elbowed past him, knocking one of the sleeping bags out from under his arm. He snapped, hey, as he lost his grip on the whole load, and she whirled toward him, eyes flashing. How can you be so heartless? That poor lonely old man doesn't have anything but a derelict house and a basement full of peaches, and you can't even be bothered to have a conversation with him? I know you're mad at me, but you don't have to take it out on him. You're just so... Ugh. She turned shoulders bent and stomped out toward the trees. 
Liam stared after her, shocked. She threw down the mats and disappeared behind a tree. He swallowed and picked up the tent, staring down at it. He hated it when she called him out on his pettier moments, hated it more when he realized how just how long she'd been absorbing it herself without saying anything. She'd stood up for the old man. How long had she not been doing the same for herself? Chastened, he crept after her into the trees. He considered setting the tent up for her and finding somewhere else to sleep, but he worried that that would solidify her anger even more. It occurred to him, not for the first time, that his young marriage was in mortal peril, and he was doing an awful job of saving it. He heard her before he saw her. She was sniffling into her folded arms, her back bowed against one of the trees. Liam set the gear down and tiptoed around the tree. Honey? She folded in tighter, her toes turning in toward each other. Can I sit with you? She didn't answer for a moment, and he was afraid that meant no. But then she nodded without lifting her eyes, and he settled in beside her, their hips and shoulders brushing. Becca's shoulders started to shake, her chin tucked against her chest. Liam wrapped an arm around her shoulders, hugging her close, and she sobbed. He just reminds me of my grandma was like there at the end. And I just want you to be nice to him, cause, cause... She broke off into stifled sobs. I'm sorry, honey, he whispered, rubbing her arm. She didn't know who I was anymore. She choked, her voice small. Just forgot me. Forgot everything. He pulled her close, and she sobbed against his shoulder for a few moments, and then slowly stilled. He rested his cheek against the top of her head. It had been such a long day, and nothing had gone right, but that was no excuse, and he knew it. I'm sorry. You're right. I've been a jerk. I'll try to be nicer, okay? We're going to have a nice night in the peach trees, and then we're going to have the best pancakes you've had since you were six, all right? She laughed shakily and sat up, wiping her cheeks with the back of her hand. All right. Do you want to help me with the tent, or do you need a minute? Becca pushed up off the tree. I can help. Liam stood, and she grabbed his arm, hugging it tight. Thanks, Liam. He hugged her a moment longer. She expected so little out of him. If he ever lost her, he knew he'd have no one to blame but himself. Someone yelled in the night, and Liam woke to crying. He turned toward Becca, but she lay still. He sat up, confused, coming more awake. She was asleep, and the crying remained. It wasn't her. It was a baby. The realization shocked him into awareness, and he shook his wife awake. Becca, am I dreaming? She gasped, shooting upright. What? Do you hear that? Becca listened for a moment, then whispered, No way. As one, they scrabbled to the foot of the tent. 
Becca fought the zipper open as Liam jammed his glasses onto his face, and they both hung their heads out into the darkness of midnight. A brilliant moon hung nearly full overhead. Its light diffused out into a thick fog that had risen up between the trees. The barn was lit bright from the inside, throwing stripes of orange light across the shrouded orchard, the side of the darkened house, and coming from within the unmistakable wail of an infant. Becca scrambled out of the tent, tripping over their shoes as she hissed, He can't have a baby. He can hardly take care of himself. Maybe his granddaughter's visiting, Liam said, pulling his shoes on, the one that jars the peaches. But even as he said it, it struck him as impossible. Even if she was, why would she be staying with a baby in a barn that looked liable to fall over at any moment? And why would Mr. Lewis warn them away from it only to put a guest in it just a few hours later? And he hadn't heard another car pulling up all evening, and and a thousand other things wrong with that theory. What if none of this was what he thought it was? The crawling eeriness of the basement came back to him in a heartbeat. Tons of peaches piled higher and higher, year after year. What if they weren't all peaches? What if the basement, at the barn, held something else? Becca hurried toward the barn, and Liam barely managed to snag her arm, pulling her to a stop. Whoa, whoa, let's think about this. She scowled. I'm kind of thinking about a baby. Yeah, I, but let's just be careful, okay? He shifted uneasily, glancing between the barn and the house. What are we doing? Her eyes grew wary. We're just checking it out, making sure the baby's okay. Why, what do you think we're doing? Liam hesitated for a moment, staring at the brightly lit barn. Did you ever hear about that serial killer who... She turned away before he even finished. Liam, do you really think a serial killer followed us out here? No, but he was starting to worry that they decided to stay the night with one. Just let's be careful, okay? We'll just look around a bit before we go running in there, okay? Sudden movement between the houses and the barn caught his eye, and Liam ducked back against the tent, pulling Becca down beside him. It was Mr. Lewis. He didn't even look in their direction as he hobbled off the side of the porch and out onto the grass. Staring straight ahead, he crossed the green and disappeared around the front of the barn. They were both silent for a long moment, staring after him, and then Liam whispered, Okay, just checking again. I am awake, right? Come on, she started toward the barn with long strides through the fog. Liam followed, not sure what to do with his hands. Becca had definitely read more Nancy Drew as a kid than he had, but he was pretty sure this was a bad idea. How many thousands of people went missing every year? And how many miles were they from where they told their parents they'd be camping? If they ran into trouble, nobody would know where to look for them. They'd just disappear. 
But if there was a baby, if the old man did have someone locked in the barn, Liam wished he'd brought a hatchet, or at least some mace. They followed a stripe of green light along the grass, hunching as they got closer. A woman was shouting, but Liam couldn't make out her words. The crying sputtered fitfully and then stopped. Becca hurried the last few steps to the crack between the slats, and then the lights died, plunging them all into midnight darkness. Becca sucked in her breath, bumping back against Liam, and he held her arms tight, both of them hardly daring to breathe. Liam's heartbeat pounded loud in his ears. Then the barn door slammed shut with the finality of a coffin lid. Mr. Lewis limped back across the grass to the house, moving a little slower, looking a little more worn. The front door of the house opened and closed, and then all was silent again, save for the rush of blood through Liam's ears. Becca breathed. What do we do? They were halfway to the car. Maybe a twenty-second sprint, and then they could tear out of there and drive like maniacs until the car pulled them over. Let the police rescue the baby. Assuming it lasted that long. Assuming it was ever found again. Liam let out a frustrated sigh, digging the car keys out of his pocket. Okay, he's back inside. We'll grab the flashlight and look around. If everything looks fine, at least for the next few hours, we go get help. And if we find the baby? Grab and run and maybe face charges as kidnappers, stand guard and maybe get murdered with weird peach harvesting equipment? I guess we grab the kid and whoever else is in there. He pressed the unlock button and winced as the car chirped in response. He forced a watery smile. I guess this is what Good Samaritan laws are for, right? She nodded, her eyes grim and shadowed. Okay. Wait here. Liam glanced at the house once more and then sprinted across the open yard to the car. He yanked the back door open and flinched as the dome light flared on, highlighting his face for any watching psychopaths. He ducked frantically through the back seat, shoving nylon bags and half-eaten road snacks out of the way until he finally found the flashlight. Wincing, he closed the car door as quietly as possible and scurried back to Becca, waiting breathlessly with her back pressed to the barn wall. Find it? she whispered. Yeah, he panted, holding the red flashlight up with a smile. That's my man. He nodded and crept around the front of the barn. He glanced at the dark farmhouse and then back at the broad barn doors. There was a subtle trail through the grass between the two that he hadn't noticed before. Whatever was going on in the barn, Mr. Lewis visited often. Liam swallowed, floundering under a surge of protectiveness. He took Becca's hand. Wait here, okay? She scowled. I'm coming with you. I need you to watch for Mr. Lewis. You need me to watch your back. I need you to be safe. She shook her head. You're not going alone anywhere, okay? Maybe they were doing this all wrong. 
Maybe they needed to leave and find a police station, but he just couldn't get that baby's cries out of his ears. Okay, he turned, reaching for the door. Becca threw her arms around him, hugging him fiercely. I love you, Liam, always. I know, honey. He kissed the top of her head. Love you, too. You ready? She drew back, small and shadowed again. Yeah. He pushed the door open. It swung easily, not even the hint of a squeal, and Liam figured it was the one thing on the whole farm that Mr. Lewis maintained. The inside of the barn was dark as a well, lit only with slim stripes of moonlight creeping in between the slats of the walls. Liam clicked on the flashlight, still frozen in the doorway, Becca peering around his shoulder. Hello? he called, his voice small in the enormous darkness. Anyone there? The barn was swollen with silence. Liam took an uncertain step inside, swinging the narrow beam of light back and forth. Hello? A heap of molding hay, a crumbling mass of bent wood and rusted metal, rafters hung with dusty rope and silver gossamer. He paused and the world froze with him, not a breeze, not a whisper, not a breath. He pointed the light at the floor of the barn and saw only their twin trails of footsteps in the dust and grime. Becca, he whispered. Yeah. I don't think anyone's been in here in years. There was a long pause. But we heard them. We both heard them. We saw their light. I know, but... He continued staring at their feet, at the tracks they'd left, at the undisturbed wreckage fifty years in the making. We're here to help you, she called into the empty barn. Please come out. We can help you. Nobody answered. There was nobody there to answer. Liam turned, pulling Becca with him back into the moonlit yard. He closed the door, and they both stood staring at it. Okay, he whispered. Run through this with me, all right? They both jumped as a low voice said from behind, I thought I said to stay out of the barn. They whirled toward the old man. Liam pushing Becca behind him, Becca grabbing at Liam, pulling him away. I, Mr. Lewis, Becca stammered, dragging Liam backward. The old man looked away again, his eyes resting on the closed barn door. But then maybe you did. He shook his head, frustrated. Can't tell the one from the other these days, I... Hear anything anymore? Come on out. Becca and Liam looked at each other uncertainly, her grip tightening on his arm, and then he asked, The one from the other? The old man looked up. A dream from the reality. It all runs together at night. But this is real now, right? 
Becca laughed suddenly, a weird high laugh that warbled in her throat just a moment too long. I, I was just... Liam was helping me find the outhouse. One of these is an outhouse, right? Mr. Lewis squinted. You mean... Oh, oh, there's a washroom in the house, you know. Much more comfortable for a lady. She laughed again, still hugging Liam's arm so tightly his hand was starting to tingle. Oh, I don't mind. I'm sorry if we woke you, Mr. Lewis. That's all right, he said in a small voice, still staring at them through narrowed eyes. I don't sleep much. Liam shuddered. The old man pointed to a half-collapsed stall hidden in the peach trees. If you're certain you won't... Oh, good. Thank you, Mr. Lewis. Good night. She giggled again, dragging Liam with her toward the outhouse. His brain started working again as soon as his feet did. His breath came out in one quick rush. You're my hero. We have to get out of here, she hissed, glancing back over her shoulder. We have to find them and go, now. Liam looked back. Mr. Lewis was still standing in front of the barn door, staring after them. They reached the outhouse, and Becca opened the door, sucking her breath in. The seat had collapsed, leaving just a black hole rimmed with splinters and spiders. She froze. Mr. Lewis was still watching. Cold sweat spread between Liam's shoulder blades. Becca! Her breath coming in short gasps, she glanced back at the old man and stepped cautiously into the outhouse. The wooden floor groaned loudly and she froze again. Mr. Lewis started towards them. Becca, do not go into that house with him. Liam hissed, his hand clamping on her arm. No matter what. I know. Mr. Lewis called across the yard to them. Just come inside. It ain't no fuss. She shrank closer against Liam's side. It's all right. I'll just... We'll just... I insist. His hobbled gait ate up the distance between them shockingly quickly. These old outbuildings ain't safe. None of it is, Liam thought, his heart hammering. The old man reached a shaking hand for Becca. Now you come along, missus. Liam surged forward and shoved the old man away. Mr. Lewis fell, his eyes wide, and Liam froze, shocked. Then he grabbed Becca's hand. They broke into a run for the car. Tears of sheer terror squeezing from Liam's eyes. He didn't dare look back, his eyes riveted on the car. He pushed Becca around the front of the car. Get in! Jasper! A woman screamed, her voice full of rage and anguish. Liam looked back as his hips slammed against the car. Orange light flooded the barn. A thin infant wail rose above the sound of his panicked breathing. Liam, Becca whispered, her voice ragged with fear. Liam, we have to help them. Mr. Lewis was slowly getting to his feet. His shadowed eyes turned toward the barn. He glanced toward Liam and Becca and stood, 
He broke into a limping run. Stay here, Liam snapped and sprinted for the barn. It was a nightmare, a running through molasses agony. But just seconds later he was there, slamming the barn door open. The barn was bright with kerosene lamps, the cart fixed, the hay fresh, the dirt floor swept. Liam froze, shocked, then flinched away as the sound of ragged breathing filled the barn door behind him. Liam stumbled backward deeper into the barn. "'Knew I was dreaming,' Mr. Lewis gasped, his eyes glowing with relief in the shadowed night, staring at Liam like he wasn't really there. "'Just the same dream it always is, over and over, but a little different tonight.' He rested a hand on the door of the barn and panted. "'God, I live for these little changes. When the words are different or the baby sleeps through, when sometimes she don't jump, it changes just enough to keep me trying.' He laughed miserably, breathlessly, and stepped out of the moonlight and into the barn. "'You know, good, dirty, cheating philanderer!' she screamed down at them. Liam looked up and finally spotted her, a woman even younger than Becca, standing on the rafters, a rope tied around her neck. Mr. Lewis coughed raggedly, still gasping for air, and he called up to her. "'That ain't true. Not ever. I love you, Ellie Mae!' "'Liar! I seen you sneaking out at night,' she sobbed, hiding her face in her hands. He shook his head, the hope and relief bleeding out of his eyes. "'It weren't that. You know it weren't. Darling, you need a doctor.' Her voice softened to a whisper, shivering through the air around them. "'You promised me, Jasper. You promised.' Her legs shifted, a slender barefoot sliding off the edge of the rafter, en pointe in midair. The baby cried all the louder and nestled somewhere in the heaped hay. I just can't bear it no more. Tears pooled in the old man's eyes and he whispered, It's no different, no matter what I say then or now. She ain't been right since the baby was born. I should have drug her into town to see the doctor. Should have made her go. I can't bear it, she whispered and stepped off the rafter. No, Becca screamed from the barn door, surging past the old man. The rope snapped taut and the orange light snuffed out, and Becca stumbled forward in the dark, shrieking, We have to get her down! Hurry! Mr. Lewis's ragged voice cut through the dark. She ain't there no more. She just melts off like spring snow until the next time, and the next, and the next. I can't ever save her. I couldn't then. I can't now. Liam's blood ran cold. What are you saying? I buried the love of my life sixty years ago, he choked. But she won't stay down there. Hands shaking, Liam turned on the flashlight. 
It lit Becca's pale face and then the derelict rafters crammed with dust and cobwebs. Nobody had touched them for decades. But he'd seen her. He'd seen her arches curved around the edge, her toes pointed in the open air, the tail of her noose knotted tight around the beam. Becca came trembling to Liam's side, hiding her face against his shoulder. Still he stared up at the rafters. We should go, she whispered. It's impossible, he breathed. Let's go. He let her lead him out into the moonlight, her eyes still turned upward. She gently pried the flashlight from his fingers and turned it off. It was impossible. Mr. Lewis sat in the grass, sobbing out his disappointment. But it was so different, he cried, hardly understandable. Everything but her. Liam finally turned his eyes away from the gaping mouth of the open barn. He'd gotten it backward. There was nobody in there that needed rescuing. There hadn't been for a very long time. He looked up at the car and then back to the old man. He met Becca's teary eyes and nodded. She stepped forward and gently rested a hand on the old man's shoulder. Mr. Lewis? He shook his head, dry sobs shaking his whole body. I don't think you should stay here anymore, she whispered. I can't, I can't leave. I gotta talk her down. Three, four times a night I try. Becca closed her eyes, tears running down her cheeks, and Liam said gently, She's not coming down. It's too late for that. I can get her down. I can. It was a long time ago, Mr. Lewis. But sometimes she comes down. Liam glanced back at the barn. Does she... She never stays down, does she? The old man shrugged miserably. Sometimes I hear her singing out in the orchard. He whispered, his voice broken. Sometimes she even comes inside the house. Her and the baby both will talk and play with the baby. What she danced with me, it's like a dream. It's like having her back again. He sobbed, his head hanging, and Becca rested her hands on his shoulders. Mr. Lewis, you can't stay here anymore. This isn't good for you. He shook his head as they lifted him by the shoulders. Liam could hardly believe how terrified he'd been of such a frail creature mere minutes before. He half carried him to the car, Becca gently quieting his objections. Liam shoved the gear into the back of the car and helped Mr. Lewis in with Becca. Do you have family nearby? Maybe your granddaughter? Annie's in town, but she won't. We'll sort things out when we get there, all right? Which way? And Liam was too tired of shocks to even be surprised when the old coot actually gave him directions. He turned the car around and knew he would never, ever lay eyes on their abandoned tent again. 
He drove back down the long driveway, so different now in the dark of night. Becca's gentle voice rose and fell in the back seat, and Liam's pulse eased off. He wiped each palm one at a time on his pants and allowed himself a small smile as he turned out onto the road. They'd done it. They'd escaped. He switched on the high beams and nearly laughed. Then a flicker of orange light caught his eye in the rear-view mirror. His eyes flared, his fingers clamping tight on the steering wheel. Ellie May. She was down. A baby bundled against her shoulder, holding a kerosene lamp high, she leaned around the gatepost, staring after them, her cheeks bright with tears. Then her sorrow morphed into rage as she screamed after them, I see you sneaking off again. Her eyes burned into his through the mirror as she stepped out onto the road, shrieking, I see you. Liam slammed his foot against the gas pedal and the engine roared. The orange light shone bright behind him as he sped faster and faster down the road. Ellie May's bare feet flashed pale against the dirt road as she ran after them, her eyes still locked on Liam. Slow down, Becca shouted, but he wouldn't. Liam, slow down! And then to Mr. Lewis, it's okay, it'll be all right. They finally tore squealing around a corner, skidding across dirt and gravel and nearly into the ditch, and the orange light was gone. Gasping, Liam let the car coast down. His eyes flicked back and forth between the road and the mirror, but she was gone. Mr. Lewis? Becca called, her voice going higher. Mr. Lewis? Cold spread through his chest. What's wrong? He's not breathing. She was silent for a few moments, fumbling at the collar of the old man's shirt. She sobbed. I, I, th I think his heart stopped. The rest of the night was its own kind of surreal. The town was too modern to mesh with the decrepit farm in the hills. The hospital looked like a hospital. The nurses and doctors in green scrubs instead of old white gowns. Becca and Liam sat out in the waiting room for what seemed like hours, but it was only minutes before a solemn woman with a clipboard came to tell them it was over, and Liam felt himself slipping further and further away from all of it. How was any of this real? Any of it? It hadn't taken long to contact Jasper's granddaughter, and then she was there in the waiting room, too. Not the young girl Liam had been expecting, but rather a woman in her thirties, worn out from three kids of her own, relieved that her grandfather's suffering was over, ashamed of that relief, and too tired to hide any of it. She had thanked them for their kindness to her grandfather, talked quietly with the clipboard doctor, signed something, and then gone back home to get her daughter ready for school. The cops had come next and just a glimpse of those black uniforms and gold badges was all it took to convince Liam that they weren't interested in ghost stories. He and Becca had stuck to the facts that Jasper Lewis was a lonely old widower 
who by his own admission wasn't taking the best care of himself, who had probably had dementia, who shouldn't have been alone, whose old heart couldn't beat any longer. The officers had thanked them, taken down their contact information, and promised to call if they had any questions, and then never did. It was shameful how seamlessly life went back to normal, how easily Liam convinced himself that half of it had never happened, how quickly he stopped thinking about the old man who had died in his back seat. He wondered if the trauma would set in as the shock wore off and hoped it wouldn't. He hoped he was as callous as he seemed because he didn't want to be disturbed. He didn't want to see himself in that old man, didn't want to imagine Becca's pretty bare feet stepping off that rafter, didn't want to hear the infant cry that had so haunted them both. But none of that had actually happened. None of it was real. He'd gotten away unscathed. I see you! Liam started awake in a cold sweat, his eyes darting around the room for trouble. But their bedroom was just as it should be, the drapes over the windows, the clothes tossed over the back of the chair, Becca asleep at his side, nothing out of place. Except that a spear of orange light shone through the crack at the base of the door to the hall. And beyond it, he heard a baby crying. That was J.N. Marcotte's Sunny Acres, as read by Martin Rato. Martin Rato is an educator, writer, and musician. He has worked in an eclectic variety of fields, including 18 years as a technical writer and software developer, 16 years as a teacher of creative writing, computer science, and business communication, and shorter stints as a symphony musician and audiobook narrator. He has published short fiction and two collections of his poetry. He also recently survived a move to another house, something that I always hate doing. Welcome to your new digs, Martin, and thanks for the read. That'll be our show for the evening, Children of the Night. Visit our Patreon page in the links below, and don't forget to like us on Apple Podcasts. Our show was produced by our editors Scott Silk, Seth Williams, and Drew Sebastini. Website designed by Josh Lightsey, and theme music by Diane Severson. Tales to Terrify is distributed under Creative Commons Attribution, non-commercial, no derivatives, 4.0 license. Join us again next week for another episode of Tales to Terrify. This presentation has been brought to you by the District of Wonders Network, dedicated to podcasting the finest genre fiction. You can learn more about the District of Wonders and their many literary productions at their website, www.districtofwonders.com. Thank you for listening.
Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. How would you like to look five years younger? In a clinical study, people that had volume added with Juvederm Voluma XC in the cheeks perceived themselves as looking five years younger at six months after treatment. Look younger, feel like you. Add volume for lift and contour in the cheeks with Juvederm Voluma XC. Reverse signs of aging by adding volume to smooth laugh lines with Juvederm Volure XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you.